0: Well, welcome to Word Time. This is Coach Shelby with Coach for Christ, and I've got my good friend, girlfriend here, uh, Shemaine, with me. And uh, the Lord has kind of put it on our heart uh, to talk about some of these things. I believe that because it's something that we've been thinking about for a little while and uh, at the stage we're in our life with the relationship. And we're going to be talking about relationships and trust. And we hear about these issues all the time going on with people. And uh, to start this message out, uh, what I'd like to say to you is that, you know, if you haven't trusted in the Word of God, if you're not born again and saved, and of course many of you listening are, I know you are, but there are some that are not. If you truly hadn't had an encounter with God, and let me, let me define all this down. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and even asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for the power of the Holy Spirit, for the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of the words of Christ, He's the teacher, and He's the counselor, then it's going to be very difficult for you to build a proper relationship, a relationship that, that God would honor. Let me say it that way, because it's going to be built on trust. And the Bible says in the book of Psalms 91, uh, if you go to verse two, uh, the latter part says, my God, in him, I will trust. Well, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was and still is God. So he is the word of God. In him, I will trust. And if you go to verse four, uh, the latter part of verse four says, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. His, His truth is his word. His truth is Jesus Christ. So if we don't have a proper relationship with Jesus, then we can't possibly build the type of relationship that would glorify God, whether it be a marriage or whether it be a relationship that's leading to a marriage. And I let me say this plainly, and Shemaine, if you've got something to add to that, if you're in a relationship and you don't see the possibility of that ending in a marriage, then you need to get out of that yeah, relationship. Out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're playing with your heart, you're messing around with things you shouldn't be messing with, you're trying to play God is what you're trying to do. You're writing
1: sin into your life.
0: Absolutely. Because the Bible's clear that we are to be born again, we're not to be unequally yoked. Now, in Psalm 119, there's several things that I wrote down in my Bible here. Um, The word is referred to as life. Um, I hide the word of God in my heart that the word of God may lead me. The word is also a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path is what the Bible says. In Psalm 138.2, it says that God exalts the word above his name. Now, he is the word of God. And again, I've already told you in the beginning was the word. So if we're having an issue in our relationship and we're not working this out, and I'm saying not, problems are not real. They are. We've all had them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've, I've, uh, we're at a different Gilded. place than maybe somebody younger that's watching because we've been through some stuff. So we're probably a little more knuckle-headed, hard-headed than most of you are, but we've arrived at this place in this walk that you don't really have a relationship problem first, which the first thing you have is a word Word problem. problem. That means a relationship with Christ. And if that's not intact, you have no business continuing moving forward with anyone else. And if that person, while you're in the process of moving on, whatever you want to call that, I don't believe in test driving, but whatever you want to call that, And you're not in agreement about the word. You know, I even tell my kids in class, in leadership class, I say, you should have a list of things that are important, beginning with the word of God, faith, Christianity, following Jesus Christ. And then we talk about what that looks like before you ever, ever, ever entertain someone of the opposite sex. Let me be clear as far as a relationship coming together. So, amen. Amen. I was looking for words. She's giving me Amen. head nods. so She's in agreement. Agree. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, I wanted to say that to you. But uh, as we move on, far too many relationships seem to, uh, as I wrote in my notes this week, as I was sitting here thinking about this topic, they coexist until they cease to exist. <laughs> you know, you've seen it. The coexist stickers with all the religious and the denominations and all the garbage going on out there with all the false Christians out there that entertaining all these other gods and saying it's the same God. It was not the same God I serve. The God I serve died on the cross and rose from the dead. The God I serve said that I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and I will lead you into all truth and righteousness. The God I serve calls you to be holy for he's holy and without holiness, you'll never see God. So that's not the God that I serve. Right. We are not to coexist, period.
1: Or compromise.
0: Or compromise. Compromise is the friend of? The
1: devil.
0: It's a friend of the enemy. It's all it is. And so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we're, we're putting a foundation here that's rock solid about we are to be in the word of God. Now... If you guys would turn with me to the book of Mark, and I want to establish the fact that in a relationship, and I got to be careful with this, because in a relationship, and if you're in a marriage, okay, you're already there. This is what ought to be happening. But if you're in a relationship moving forward, I believe personally that that relationship ought to be practicing agreement, unity, okay? And the Bible tells us that. Now, let let me be clear on that because we've got so much trash out there. So many people sitting in the pews today that are living in fornication, that are living together, whatever, and it's not been addressed. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, that's that's a benefit of marriage. And it's a powerful covenant that when a man and woman come together in that way, but that's not legal until it's legal before God. So what I'm talking about is in your relationship, in your agreement, what you entertain, what you don't entertain, your ability to compromise, your ability not to compromise, right. um, secrets in your yes. life. And we can talk about some of the, all of those things, if you're not one in agreement with that, okay, then you're headed for disaster. You're in trouble because God is one. And the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 12, and I believe it's in verse 29, it says "First." The first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. So the first is that you love God with everything that you are, okay? And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbors yourself. Now, let's say that if you're in a relationship, and I'm just adding this commentary there, that's every bit of a neighbor, and even then some. Well, most of you would say that relationship you're in, especially that should be headed towards a union before God, unless it already is, that this Bible, my Bible says, love your neighbors yourself. How much more should you love that partner that's headed toward, towards a covenant with God? How much more? How much union should there be? Now, there's no division in God. God is one. You see, there's not something, the Holy Spirit doesn't do something that, the, that God is not in agreement about for it is the same Spirit. Jesus doesn't do something, and we were talking about this earlier before we started this this message, that even Jesus said, I never do anything that I do not hear my Father say. I only do what my Father says, and I believe that's in John 8, and there's multiple other places you could Google that and find that. I only do what my Father says. Now, I want you to think about that statement right there just for a minute in John 8. I only do what my Father says. Now, listen, I'm not talking about control. I'm not talking about abuse and all that. I need you to understand this. I'm talking about being one as God is one, that we are to be one. And you might say, where would that be? That would be in John 17. The Bible 17. says Jesus Jesus we'll prayed honest, for us. So. Yeah. yeah. Jesus said that, that they would be one as we, we are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that they would be one in us. Did you hear that? that we would be one. So he's calling us as brothers and sisters to be one. He's talking about the body of Christ, not talking to be one with devils, talking about true born again believers that love God. And you're going to have a hard time finding them. Let me help you with that one. They're hard to find. They really are. They're out there. I know they are. I believe that because God's power is greater than the power of Satan. But if you're in a union specifically, since we're talking about relationship and trust, how can you have secrets and call yourself to be in a proper relationship before God? How can you have hidden things in your life? Now let me let me let me help somebody with this too. There may be some legitimate things, Shemaine, in people's lives, that are Ugly. <laughs> I, I wrote down earlier in the week and we talked about this that skeletons I don't even didn't write it down, but I know we talked about it. Skeletons in the closet. Skeletons in
1: the closet.
0: Skeletons in the closet. There's skeletons in the closet. Listen, um, I'm over half a hundred years old. Okay? I know that, you know, I'm seeing a smoking hot woman right here, but, you know, listen, I'm over half a hundred years old and and there's no skeletons in the closet, but there's definitely been some skeletons and there's definitely been some things that have happened in our lives. But, you know, God's not done with us yet. And in order for us to have what we've never had, We've got to be willing to stand on the word of God and there can't be any secrets and there can't be any skeletons in the closet. If there's a skeleton, we need to reach in and grab it by the throat, throw it on the floor and say, Hey, look at here. This is what's going on. I don't want this in my life anymore. I want this relationship. Listen, this is what happened. I'm laying it out there. This happened here. This happened there. You can't have secrets. You can't yes. be fly by yourself, by the seat of your pants and All by things yourself. Right.
1: you struggle with. Right. If you're struggling with it and you can't share it with that person.
0: Right. Right. You know, we talked about, and this week we talked about this too, because this is very common, very common. You know, people that are in a relationship or even mostly in a marriage that hide their phones. Mm -hmm. Listen, brother, because you got a text from somebody, and let's say that you're truly innocent, because we work at places, our phone number's available. Man, I get calls from work, I get texts from work, stuff like that. Not a lot, but I do from time to time. That could look very suspicious if I didn't want Chimaine to see that. Right. I don't have a problem with her seeing that. And if I get something that's, that's inappropriate or something like that here, she's done that. If somebody, sometimes there's clients, she's in fitness and things like that. Somebody sometimes look, deal with it. And if you can't do that, then you you truly, and, and I'm going to say this lightly because I know there's some other factors, you can't be a Christian. You're not walking as Christ because Christ is in complete unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's no division. There's no secrets. And a, a relationship, and a, particularly a marriage, when it comes together before God, is a reflection of a relationship with Christ. With Christ yeah. How can there be a secret in that? Let's say that some old girl has the hots for me, and let's say that... She got my number from somebody else. I didn't give it to her or whatever, and she texts me. You, I'm going to say, look,
1: that's
0: right. this is gonna we'll put an end to this, but look, here's what's happening.
1: You're going to share it with me.
0: And it's your business, listen, ma'am or sir or whoever you are, that if that is the sincerity and they're trying to be honest and show you that this is what's going on, it's not your job to get mad at them. It's your job to support them say, okay, we're going to deal with this.
1: Thank you for showing
0: me. Yes, yes. Thank you for showing me. And that's a different mindset because you know I'm a human being too who tries to walk in the spirit, but there's times where things come up, not necessarily between us, but I'm telling you things that I hear out there in the world. um, Our ride has been really good. (laughs) It's been really good for the most part. you can always going to have a few disagreements, but it's the best I've ever had. And because we're trying to stand on the word of God and say, there's no secrets. If he don't like it, she don't like it, don't matter. I'd rather get it out there now because let me have, then I did write this down in my notes and I sent this out. I may have put it on Facebook. I can't remember I said, secrets are like an infection that spreads. spreads. If you don't get that infection treated, you know, you're going to hide it because you don't want somebody to see it. Let me tell you something. It's going to fester. It's going to bust and you're going to get pus all over somebody. Mm -hmm. And then you're really going to be embarrassed. I'm just, you just need to listen to me, man. This is just wisdom. This is somebody that's over half a hundred years old. That's learned a few things through the school of hard knocks a hard head, whatever you want to call it. I've learned some things. There's some things that you just didn't want to deal with because there wasn't really nothing going on, but because you didn't want to deal with them, you let it go on so long that the other party may have thought something was going on. Yes. That make any sense? Mm-hmm. And and I know there's people that, you know, like I say, I talk to lots of people. I know there's a lot of people dealing with that right now. Yeah. That, you know, maybe it's a spouse that you, that you thinks being unfaithful, and they're really not. They're just being so... God with a little G, they want to govern their own lives and they don't need your help. And you ain't going to tell me what to do, which is a problem, which is not Christ likeness, which is not Christianity, because you made a covenant and agreement to become one before God, which means there's no secrets in this thing.
1: And you're not one if you're not in agreement.
0: That's right. That's right. Now we're not talking, to me, because I'm assuming we're talking to mature people, Yeah. but we're not talking to people out there that's like, if I want to give a surprise birthday party, oh. Secrets. No, that's no, it's not, not what I'm talking that's about. Not it. That's not it. I'm talking about, you know, um, people that, particularly young people, may not have as much of this going on, but people that are in their second marriage or their third marriage or been through some stuff or whatever, there's going to be some junk in there and you're going to have some hesitation because of what you learned from your other spouse or your other relationship. Right. And you're going to have a tendency to try to drag that old skeleton, bones and all. You see, skeletons are dead. Yeah. <laughs> but you, we have a tendency to drag those old things into what our new relationship. Yeah, fears. Yeah, of fears. How
1: someone's going to
0: react or. Yeah. Yeah. The way. The, or you should
1: pray about everything.
0: The way that someone's acted in the past. Right. Whatever. But let me make it clear. Let me say this again. I want to inject this again.
1: Or the way someone's not going to react. Right. Yeah. Yes.
0: We are talking about. If you're in that state and, and you're moving forward, and if you've made a mistake and, and you didn't deal with these things before you got married or whatever, and your, your spouse is said this, no, we're not, we're, no, we, we don't advocate divorce. We advocate people coming right. together and repentance is what we talk about. But get it right now. Get it settled now. You know, somebody needs to have a, needs to pour their heart out. Some of you out there are struggling. I, I know that. You just need to go to your wife or to your fiance or whatever it is, and you need to just get up in there and you need to say, hey, here's what's going on. Listen, I, I love you. If that's the case, if that's the case, I'm not telling you to tell lies. I'm assuming you do. If, they, if they're, you're in a relationship with them. but here's what's going on in my life, and I want to pray this through, and I want to be obedient to to the Word of God. I don't want to. I don't want to carry this no more. I don't want to do it this way no more. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to do that, then you can see God do a mighty work in that relationship yeah. that He has put together. Now don't put don't you don't go out there and put something together and say well look what god has done yeah, can you no. figure it out well he learned me something what like to get five years the the no no God didn't do that just like just like knucklehead here you know you, you get involved in things and you clearly see the fruit of, of Christ and the obedience to the word is not there and you move forward playing God with a little g thinking that you can fix it because after all you know you are in love but you can't fix it and let me, let me inject this part there. And again, as I've told Shemaine, she's got something to say. Just go ahead and say it. Just butt in because if you're trying to fix someone else, you ain't fixed. You need to fix yourself. One of the greatest ministries. Now, I believe in speaking, and I don't believe the Bible says just live a sermon. I, I, I do. But there are people out there that preach that all you do is you just walk it before people. Never, no, I believe we have a mouth. And as long as that mouth works, you you also speak it. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach. Right proclaim, say it. Okay. But a big message that you live before that spouse is that they see you on your knees in the word of God, honoring the word of God and yeah. treating them the way Christ has commanded you to treat them. That's one of the biggest ministries. That's the biggest ministry. Another part of that is, is when that they know that you're praying for them, that touches people. Mm-hmm. Now we're not talking about witchcraft here. We're talking about sincerity of heart, that when you truly repent, that will touch your partner your I'm talking about your husband or your wife, okay I don't believe in partners, as I said, we don't believe in test driving, but I do believe that when a relationship God brings a relationship together that God there's a process of work being done to where we practice that which is a marriage, which is that unity, that agreement, and if there's no agreement and unity in the Word of God. Then that's a sign that you missed it, and you should have never got with that person in the first place.
1: Right. And can I say this? If you're using the scripture to manipulate mm-hmm. or to get what you want, and you don't see that you're doing it, mm-hmm. if you recognize that you're doing that, mm-hmm. that's the first sign. You need to stop and get on your knees.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. So does I hope
1: or, c- or trying to condemn them? Yeah. With scripture.
0: And that's that's, that's easy to word do. The does
1: not, yeah.
0: That's easy to do. It's easy for a husband to say to his wife, uh, you need to submit to me as unto the Lord, yeah. and you've got a husband that's not submitted that's to the Lord. Submitted. That's That's not You're it. are not
1: leading her the way
0: that's right. Christ and tells husbands to. So we are not to follow anyone who is leading us in disobedience to the Word yes. of God. See, that's what the Word says. So when it's telling us that, Husbands, love your wives, you know, wives, you know, submit your husband. It's talking about two people in love with the Lord. And when they're in love with the Lord now, because I, I, listen, I know the, all the tactics of the devil here. I, I can hear that woman back there in the background going, well, I'm Ted, I told you, you messed that one up. You missed that one big time. Listen, your Gentle, husband is trying, spirit. your husband is truly trying to serve God. I didn't say he was going to be perfect. Jesus, no. is give him some grace. But if he's trying to serve God, you can't sit there and keep tally marks every time that he sneezes either. You need to be obedient to him as long as he's leading you by the word of God.
1: But you need to be in the word of God.
0: Absolutely. And understand your husband ain't Jesus. You treat him like that. The Bible does say that, but he ain't Jesus. Mm. I ain't Jesus. You follow me around long enough, you'll figure that out real quick. Follow me around when I'm at school and the kids get me real frustrated. You'll find out, I'm not a terrible guy, I used to have a bad temper. I don't do all that, I don't blow up, throw things, all this kind of thing. I don't say cuss words and all that, but I'm not Jesus. And so we need to understand that. Um, I wrote down in my notes, I said, um, there's no secrets, there's no division. If you struggle, share it. If you have a struggle in a relationship, make sure you share it. Uh, I did write, I did see that right here. Um, If a skeleton comes up, share it. Now, I'm not saying we're going to sit there and hang out with skeletons but we're going to let them know what we're dealing with so that we can bury that thing, burn it, scatter the ashes to the wind, whatever needs to be done. And our job, if that other party or that spouse is truly willing to do that, and they're doing that because they're under conviction of the Lord, our job is to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Our job is to move forward. Just like Christ has done for us. That's our our job. But you don't know, because I don't need to know. All I know is what Jesus did at the cross, and I don't even fully understand that. I just understand enough to be saved. You don't even fully understand what he did at that cross, what he gave up for you. So take that, uh, be willing to yield and confide in your mate. And I wrote down to be one. I also wrote down, and I said this before, that that marriage and a relationship requires some practice. And when I say practice, I'm just saying that because I'm a football coach. I don't like that word. We're not practicing with someone. But our life is a practice. Our life is a message. Our life is a commitment to the Word of God. I
1: will, yes, I want to say this. Go. If you're trying to replace that relationship that you're you're meant and you're created to have with the Lord in His Word with a human being, it's not going to work. It's not. If you're trying to place them in that place where only God can be in your life, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that place is made for God.
1: It's made for God alone. And if you don't have that, then you need to start. The door's open. Right. He's just waiting on you.
0: That's right. That's good. So a marriage, a relationship requires some practice. Mm -hmm. The only thing you don't practice, keep the marriage bed undefiled. Talking about the other stuff. When it's legal, then that's fine. Keep the marriage bed undefiled. Um, It's a a practice and it's a representation of of your salvation. Now what I just said was just powerful. That practice and that walk and that relationship in that covenant marriage is a representation of your salvation because a marriage as we come together to become one is a type and a shadow to show us that we are supposed to be one with Christ whenever we repent and we're born again mm-hmm. and we put our faith in what he did at the cross. And begin to be governed, walk in the Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit. And who will, in the Word. Who That's will never you lead you happen. contrary to <laughs> no, this, ever. Every time the Holy Spirit gives you a word and leads you, it will always be in accordance to the Word of God. If not, we're to rebuke it. Because a stranger's voice would do not follow. My sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. Now, if you guys would turn with me to Ephesians 5.31. As God is one, so are we to be one to the best of our ability, by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, which is his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says in verse 31, I'm going to kind of read it backwards to you. If I can see, I even got my glasses on for you. And I heard y'all out there. Y'all like that. Good. Praise God. And it says in 531, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Now I've preached on this, me and Coach Shaw preached on this in the summer, but I wanted a one woman's perspective on this and, and it's strange. God put this in our heart. I, I don't ever think you can do this stuff too much. I really don't, but they shall become one. Flesh. How do you become? Because God has given us a free will. We make a decision that at this point in our life, we've messed it up way too many times.
1: Yeah.
0: And this time we ain't messing up no more. This time we're going to lay it all out there. We're going to open up the trash cans, open up the closets, pull the skeletons out, throw them in the floor, and we're going to get in the word of God and we're going to drop to our knees and we we'll gonna say, oh God, forgive us for our past sins and our mistakes and covenants we've made. We, we break by the blood of the lamb, all soul ties. I'm not going to teach on that right now. We cut all that loose and we thank you, Lord God, that according to your will and your word, we're going to do it your way this time. We're a little slow. We waited a long time. But we're going to do it your way this time, the way of Yahweh. We're going to do it by the word of God is what we're going to do. And we're going to become one. And we're going to practice that all except for the sexual part. Right. We're going to practice that. And we're going to walk in unity until God gives us that time and says, okay, now make it official. Do that. Now, I'm talking to somebody out there. Now, if you've been divorced or something like that, I don't, I don't want to give a miss message. Maybe God can reconcile you. I don't know the situation. I don't want to go into all the scenarios. I'm not advocating divorce and going to find somebody else yeah. to do it right. No, I'm advocating get it right with the ones you've been yeah, with. right. With yeah. the one that you're with. Repent. Yes. And
1: st- start from there. Yeah. Repent. Confess your sins.
0: That's right. And be willing and obedient. And be
1: willing to be obedient from that point on. You don't continue in it and say, oh, well, I, asked for, I asked for forgiveness that mm-hmm. one time, so I'm okay. No. It's a continuous daily
0: walk. Sometimes 55, 60 times a day. Yes. If, if it may be more than that, but we are to become one flesh. And i want to point out two things that what it says in verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay. Submission right there. The Bible is very clear. Submit, become one. I want to read the one to husbands in 28. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now I'm going to ask you guys, if, if you loved your wife like your own body i mean i'll tell you what you've been sucking on the bag of m&ms and drinking dr pepper and watching movies and sitting around being worthless doing nothing long enough if you loved her as much as you love taking care of your flesh boy that'd be a whole lot of loving yeah you probably become one mm-hmm. now i know i was being a little bit sarcastic right there a little bit but i'm really not i see this i see people that 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 hang around That go to work, do their own thing. I see people go to the gym and they hang around the gym and they take two hours at the gym or whatever, but they won't take two minutes to encourage their wife or pray with her. Right. Or the one that you say it's going to be your wife. Those things you should be practicing. You should be together in the Word of God, praying together, talking about all things. That's practice. And really, we have another word for that, which is process. It's a process. process. We're becoming one. That's what the Scripture said.
1: And it shouldn't be rushed.
0: That's right. It should be in God's time. God's time. So how long is it? Forty years, like it was Moses? Well, I hope not, unless <laughs> the Lord's got me called to live to be one hundred and thirty or one hundred forty. But but the bottom line is, is it's in it's in God's time. And here's what affects God's time: your willingness to yield on a daily basis. That's what governs God's time. I yes, believe that.
1: And if you're not married yet, and yeah. you're engaged, or you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. and that other person cannot understand that you need time mm-hmm. in the Word. Mm-hmm. And it's God's timing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they want to rush it.
0: Cut them off. Cut them off. Cut, cut them off. That's what the Bible says. That's what I believe it says. To be patient. Okay, that's that's part of the fruit of the if spirit. If they want it their way, yeah.
1: and they're trying to force their way mm-hmm. on you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in in any any manner, they could be using mm-hmm. anything to that's force right. it.
0: That's right. So
1: fear. Se- I mean, sex. Anything. Yep then get away from it and, and have cut any, him off
0: and put no, no trust in the flesh
1: and stand and stand firm in what the yeah. Lord is telling you yeah. and showing you. And yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very mm-hmm. difficult, it's going to be very difficult. But if you're not in prayer and you're not praying continuously, then yeah, that's right. It's going to be even more difficult and you'll fall.
0: You know, there might, there might be people out there, Sermaine right now that think this is, and it just kind of hit me as we're sitting here doing this, that, um, that this is kind of silly. And hey, what are these guys doing? Whatever, you know, they've, they've made mistakes and have been married before and all these things or whatever. You know what? Yeah. We're grateful to God for a new opportunity. And I'm going to tell you something, something God didn't put me in the positions that I was in, but he taught me something through them. Yes. And I'm going to tell you something. I am grateful today. And my own son said this to me. I don't know, maybe it was a year or two ago. I don't remember the words, so Derek, I know you're listening, whatever. You can correct me if you want to. But he said, Dad, I've seen something to the effect of level forgiveness in you that uh, I know a God's done a work in you. And I don't remember the words, and I'd appreciate you telling me, Derek, when you see this. But I know that. I know that. I don't know. I preached on forgiveness and those things. You know, people make mistakes, but God does a new work. God does give new opportunities, and He gives. I would like to say thousands upon thousands to us every day, a new opportunity to serve him. He hasn't washed his hands of you yet. He hasn't given you up yet or you wouldn't be watching this. I know Romans 1 says there's a time he'll give you up, but if you have a a speck of a drawing drawing? to serve God and get things right, that's the Holy Ghost. You, You don't have that within your ability. And I have a level of forgiveness that 20, 30 years ago I didn't have. That even as a Christian man who had repented 20 years ago, I don't think that I could have just forgiven anybody. I could have forgiven them, but I would have had to keep my distance. I know the work of God today. I mean, what about Mary Magdalene? You know, the one that seven demons were cast out of that was a very faithful servant in the ministry of Jesus Christ. You know, Mary Magdalene today would not be accepted by anybody. She would most churches would not let her do anything. I don't know what, what they'd let her do. And I'm and i and I'm just trying to bring up a point right there is that, yeah, we've got some battle scars here. We do. But for the first time in our life, not, not a Christian, we're not new Christians, but God through the stupidity and the dumb decisions who has forgiven us through repentance has shown us how to do some things a little bit different according to his way. And he can do it for you too. With no fear. No fear. I had a lot of fear. Yeah. So. If he can do it for us. He can do it for anybody listening, and you know. And I, and I want to say a couple of more things. And if Shemaine has something, I know we were talking about the blood and the water. She was talking about this week. And if she wants to, you know, finish with that, talking about that, it's something we leave that up to her. But James five fourteen says, "Confess your faults to one another." Yeah. The effectual prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man above much. Now, make sure that you're equally yoked before you do that. Correct. Don't Discerned. confess Discerned. to Discerned. people that are going to go start rumors. That's right. And and don't talk just to talk. Don't talk unless no. the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that. John 17, I've already mentioned, says, Jesus says he prayed for you specifically that you would be one. Well, if he prayed for the body of Christ, and yet we have a word right here in the word of God that says that a marriage is to become one. Now, they were one in Adam and Eve, but they're to become one. There's some work. Oh, man or woman, what's stopping you from getting on your knees and getting in the word of God right now? And starting today and saying, you know what, we've got problems. But there's nothing too big for our God.
1: Let us start with you. And if you're trying to force it on the, on the unbelieving spouse or the partner that's not quite where you are, then don't force it. You need mm-hmm. to be on your knees and praying for them. Mm-hmm. Not trying to slap them with the Bible right. and throw it in their face. Because that's going to push them away even further. Right. You need to be on your knees and praying. Period.
0: And there's a presentation that's, of that, of the Holy and Spirit. And the Holy Spirit Word. will lead yes.
1: you to that point and be able to... Mm-hmm. Speak the words that you need to speak to them to give them, Yeah, you know, to lead them to yeah. that point. But don't.
0: The evidence is stacked up against that us. That would be you trying yeah.
1: to do it in your own will. And right. we can't do anything in our own will. We fail. We mess things up when we mm-hmm. do things in our own will. When we think that God needs us mm-hmm. or, oh, I, you know, I can change this person. God needs me. Right. He put me in their life to change their No, he did not.
0: Right. He right. doesn't need us. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't need you, and and uh, except for your submission and obedience.
1: Submission and obedience. And and he gives you a will to choose for you to yeah. So
0: pray for that person. So anyway, the evidence is stacked up against America today. Seventy-five percent. Last time we checked this in the summer, when me and John did these met these marriage podcasts. seventy-five percent mm-hmm. of marriages end up in divorce, evidencing. Remember, if a marriage is the something you can see concerning a relationship with Christ, it is a deadly, deadly um, manifestation to show where our relationship with Christ really is and where our salvation really is. It, it's terrifying. Just, I'm just going to point blank. When you cannot surrender yourself for another that you claim that you love and you cannot be obedient to the word of God, you see, it's not that person that you're really, really being disobedient to, but it's, it's Jesus Christ who is the, the word. The Lord, yeah. So that's how I can confidently say that there's not many, and I don't know what that means saved. I feel like Sodom and Gomorrah were the angel of the Lord, which was the Lord, carried on a conversation with Abraham and said, "If there be ten righteous." Well, you know the hailstones came, so you know the answer to that. I don't know what the remnant is here in America and around this world, but guys, I want to encourage you. There's nothing too hard for God.
1: That's right.
0: And if if we can help you, if we can gather and just talk, using the Word of God to govern us in these conversations and see God do a work in your situation, your relationship, praise God, praise God. But we're going to be honest about it. Yeah. We're going to be honest about it. And it's God that does the work. He just chooses to allow people to be a part of that. But it's God that gets all the glory. Amen. You
1: have to be obedient to your heavenly father.
0: Right. Right. Did you want to share that or on the next one? I do. Okay.
1: And I've read it many times, but. Mm when i read it the other day it just it just clicked <laughs> it's amazing how the lord does that amen so in 1 john is it 5 6 it speaks about the certainty of god's witness this is he who who came by water and blood jesus christ and not only by water but by water and blood and it is the spirit who hears witness Who bears witness, sorry, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. When I... Was reading it well. Marriage is a reflection of those three: mm-hmm. God, husband, wife,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you have that triangle where God's at the top, right, and the husband and the wife. But as y'all are going and working towards and in, in, in prayer and staying in the Word and being obedient to mm-hmm. the Lord, mm-hmm. you can't really go. You can't go wrong, right. So, I mean, that was, (laughs) that was it. I just Hmm. saw it for the first time in that, in that sense. It's, it's a reflection. Mm
0: -hmm. And the, the spirit, which is the spirit of the Holy Spirit filled Jesus. You know, the, the, the conversation that Mitch Mayne had this week was that, um, how the soldier pierced Jesus yes and, and that's what took me yeah, to this point Absolutely, because I was studying it yeah. out
1: because it, it had always whenever I saw the water and the blood and it spoke about mm-hmm. it in the Bible <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke to me and mm-hmm. that there was there's something in that study right. it out study right. it out and yeah. when I did mm-hmm. he gave me more than what I was searching for
0: and there's, <laughs> even, there's even more than that we don't even have a complete God gives us right. we have revelation in part you know John had sent me a text and we have revelation in part, we prophesy in part, we speak in tongues in part we only have part we have the first fruits right now we we're not fully redeemed right. we're in an that's good we're in an engagement period, second Corinthians chapter mm-hmm. eleven and and Paul yet the Holy Spirit was concerned that these people in the church of Corinth would receive a false doctrine and lose that that wedding day <laughs> your trust. <laughs> can cause you to lose that wedding day, and your trust can cause you to lose your spouse.
1: Yeah.
0: When I say that, don't let one point the finger, both of you come together and unify. And unify and lay your together phones together. down. Put your notes down. Lay it down. Something going on at work, somebody talking to you, stalking. Lay it oh. down. Open up the closet. Pull the skeleton out. You got an email. Share it. Whatever. You got to be unified here. We got to be, because even the, the, the water, the blood, the spirit, the water, the blood are in agreement. In one, the spirit of the Lord, my goodness. And then we have the blood and the water. And I see the Roman soldier piercing Jesus in his side. And if he'd have pierced anyone else that I don't believe that water would have poured out of anyone else like it did out of Jesus. There's always a certain amount of water in everybody, but it would have been mostly blood. But this was water and blood. The water represented the word of God. And that's what we're giving you. We're giving you the water. Now you're going to have to go get the blood to be unified. That means you're going to have to come under the blood of Jesus Christ through repentance and that cleansing so that you can become one in the spirit. It all leads to one. And so I hope that you guys are listening. I hope that you'll share this word. And then uh, I know this wasn't a, a fiery word or whatever, but it's a necessary word.
1: I do want to add this. Go ahead. If you're trying to do in that in what we're talking about in your relationship in your marriage, um, and you have fear, rebuke it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and don't be fearful. God does not give us a spirit of fear That's right. or condemnation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I know in the past whenever I've I've wanted to share something with you. Satan came at me like, well, who are you? He's not going to understand. Oh, he's, you know, you're unworthy. I mean, just all kinds of things were coming at me. Well, you have to recognize that that's Satan trying to keep you from walking the path Mm -hmm. that God has for you. Yeah. Don't let it control you. Fear is not of God. He does not give us a spirit of fear, but of (laughs) self-control and a sound mind.
0: He wants that infection to spread until that's it destroys right. you.
1: Until it destroys you. And until you keep so many secrets. You, yeah. you. That's what he wants. It eats you up inside and it will literally.
0: He wants that. Um, he wants that. He wants to destroy you. And that's one of his tactics. If there's He's no right. secret. That, 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 <laughs> this is talking about Jesus. But let me say this as we're closing this. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth. Again, a relationship, a marriage is a reflection of Christ. We're talking about a relationship between a man and a woman. It's leading to marriage or that already is that married. Already is, yes. Practicing all but the marriage bed must stay undefiled. Practicing that relationship that we're talking about, that trust. That's a type of honoring God. That's a type of honoring his word. We're to love each other as Christ loves us, mm. if that's even possible. But we're still to attempt to love your neighbors yourself how much more that person in your relationship with that you plan to spend the rest of your life with. So we pray that this has been a blessing to you. We pray that you listen. We pray that you'll share this word. And we pray that if we can help you, that you'll message us or whatever. And and uh, we'd love to talk more, but there's just something God put on our heart. you know. And I know it was because we've been thinking about it. We were thinking, I've been thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And all of a sudden we said something last week or two weeks ago and Jermaine said, yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I said, I think it would be good us doing it. You know, me and John have done this, but a woman's perspective on it that, you know, that a married couple can see that together instead of yeah. two guys just beating their gums, you know. I think it's important. And we truly do care. And I'll say this because we don't know who's watching. We love you because God loves us. And we're doing this because we believe it's the right thing to do according to the Word of God. Right. And so if you can use this, use it. If we can help you, let us know. But send this video around the world, send this message around the world. It's also going to be on Anchor and it's here as well. So God bless you guys, and you guys have a great day in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Forty minutes. Amen. I was, uh, this morning I was sitting there and I was getting ready to go, and this is really cool. You know, guys, we ought to be hearing from heaven. And if you're not hearing from heaven, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, not an unholy ghost. And you may laugh at that, but that's literally true. I have people in class all the time ask me, Coach, do you believe in ghosts? I have people all the time that say, I say yeah. yeah, just not in the definition that you define them. It's not your dead granny that's visiting you. It's a demon from hell. Uh, the Bible's clear to be absent from the bodies, being home with the Lord or being in hell with your father which is the devil. It's very clear on that. There is no in-between ground. When Jesus, there was before the death of Christ on the cross, but when Jesus died on the cross, he led captivity captive. He took from the bosom of Abraham, which if if you would was paradise, which was really closer to hell than it was to heaven because no man could live in the presence of God till the the perfect sacrifice was finished. To the blood of Jesus, the word that became flesh was shed and then at that moment, uh, paradise was vacated. It's empty, nobody there. To die now is to be in the presence of God or to be in the presence of hell waiting for the white throne judgment. That's what the Bible says. It's amazing to people it's it's very clear in the Bible okay Paul said it over and over and over you know he wanted to leave he said it's not good for me to leave he wasn't wanting to leave to go hang out somewhere he's wanting to leave to go be with Jesus but he said it's better for you if I stay because I got a word for you I got the God Almighty but there are spirits okay there are spirits in this world and uh, it's believed that these spirits were Part of the fallen angels that had slept with the daughters of men. I'm not going to try to explain all that to you as if I could. And when the flood came and these people died, that these disembodied spirits became demon spirits, okay? The fallen angels, there's two groups of fallen angels, but one group for sure is bound in chains until the tribulation period, which I believe we're very close to. These are the most wicked beings there are, have not been loosed on the face of the earth yet, okay? So anyway just kind of giving you some of that there are spirits but nevertheless this morning i don't know why i got sidetracked on that but somebody needed to hear that and my plan was to preach or to minister out of ephesians one and i went to i've got a prayer room at the house and i go back there and i said well just take a minute to go there," because i used to sometimes pray in my living room whatever i don't always go to that room and so i went in there and knelt down and just prayed and this popped in my mind and the lord reminded me Uh, Many years ago, which was actually I wrote it down right here and I found it on my iPad. So I'm being like Coach Shaw would be proud of me today because I'm using an iPad to speak the word. So in February 2013, I'm sorry, February 13th, 2018, I was at Fit and Wise. I was coaching at Lake Worth High School and I got out of the shower and I had a vision and I saw three. And when I saw three, it immediately led, as you guys remember, when I came here, the scriptures on the board was Luke 6, uh, 47, 48, 49, that a house built upon a rock. I didn't have any idea at that time that this is where I was supposed to be. I had no idea I would ever, because this is really Wise County's home to me. It's where I grew up. I had no idea I'd ever come back here and coach again. I would tried, you know, a few years back, or whatever, and just it never did fit. So I had this, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, God, if you ask me to stay at Lake Worth, Lord, you're going to have to do something, because I don't want to stay in that place. I ain't three years. Are you kidding? I saw the number three, which represented three—the foundation, the framework, and the roof—and I knew that he was talking about that a house built upon a rock. Wasn't, but a short period later, and I don't remember exactly what the time frame was. That you know, that Coach Cook uh, became the athletic director here, and um, Coach Ryle had sent me an email and said, "Hey, you know, would you be interested in you know looking at Paradise or whatever?" I don't remember the wording of it or whatever, and I said, "Strange." You know, the times I tried, nothing worked. And then all of a sudden Coach Ryle sends me an email. Whatever. Well, I meet Coach Cook, really like Coach Cook, and I guess he liked me or acted like he did. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. That was three years ago. That's how it all worked out. But it was a vision from God that he gave me. And so I want to remind you of that vision because this morning I was going to go into some depth, and I tried to right there, obviously, about spirits and things like that. There's a lot of depth in the Word of God. There's a difference between in third grade and being in college, okay? As a Christian, we are to mature in our walk with God. When you get born again and saved, the foundation never leaves. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, risen from the dead. That is the power of God, 1 Corinthians 1.18. The cross is the power of God, not the wooden beam, but what took place there and who did it, which was Jesus, which if you've seen Jesus, the Bible says you've seen the Father. He is God, that's what it says. He manifests in three persons, which is not hard to understand. There's that number three again. The Holy Spirit just leads these. I don't have this planned out. Man is made of spirit, soul, and body, yet I'm looking at one. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet there's no division. He is one. They don't have to have a staff meeting when there's something to figure out about your soul. They're already in complete union and agreement. They're connected because they are one. There's no difference there. Communion takes place at all times. Communication is what I was trying to say. And so understanding that a little bit in Luke 6:47, it said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like, he said, whoever hears my sayings." and we got a whole generation and a whole world that are hearing things. And as I was uh, trying to get to a while ago that I wanted to go a little bit of depth, but we're not ready to be in college yet. And I don't mean that disrespectful to anybody you got to define your walk your walk with god and where you're at we're not ready for college yet we're not ready to fight demon powers and all those things until our house is set upon the rock that has been cured if you were to pour a slab that has to be cured before you can build on it jesus christ is the rock of our salvation the bible says even moses when god said that i will show you my hind parts as i walk by He couldn't look at God or he would be destroyed. Yet the same book of the Bible says that he spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So what is it saying? No one can see the Father and live. A pre-incarnate Christ showed up to Moses. That's what happened. That's who Jesus is. He is the form of God you can see that you don't have to die, but you can repent. He's the same God that showed up to Joshua before they went to Jericho. And he had his sword in his hand. Mind you this. A sword in his hand, same as Revelation, where a double-edged sword comes out of his mouth. And Joshua said, are you for us or against us? And he said, nay, but as captain of the armies of the Lord, he is Jesus Christ. And he said, take off your shoes for where you stand is holy ground, just like he did at the burning bush. And he took them off and he fell down and said, my Lord, my God, no angel can receive worship. Any angel that would receive worship from man will be condemned as Satan was, as Lucifer before he became Satan. No angel, no holy angel will allow you to worship. He'll tell you, even John the Revelator, he said, stand up. I'm only like, I'm only a servant. No angel can do that, only Christ himself. So when you see the angel of the Lord in the Bible, you realize that when it's before the natural birth, that was a pre-incarnate Christ, That's all it is. When Jacob wrestled in Genesis 32, he wrestled with Jesus and Jesus let him win you see Jesus will let you win too what he's saying what I want you to do is grab a hold of me and I'll pull hard against you to get your focus off the things of the world but I really want you but I'm going to make you come after me see because in the process of coming after me we are after him we die to ourselves but are we really hearing God do we really understand this is our foundation built? I don't know what that three meant other than some of the obvious things I've just mentioned to you. I wonder about it. I'm sitting there going, okay, this is my third year coming to a close. What does that mean, Lord? First of all, I thought it meant just teach on who Jesus is for three years. But honestly, I can't tell you what it means, but I think I'm going to find out. Because if God gave it, then he will give me the next chapter. I know he'll do that. So as i was getting ready to go in some depth this morning he said go back to the foundation again but lord they've heard it he said no they hadn't heard it and i'm not even talking to you necessarily i'm talking to whosoever will listen they hadn't heard it yet we we haven't heard it yet until we are saturated in christ and until our house cannot be moved by any wind of doctrine that blows we haven't heard it yet to hear is not to hear with these ears but to hear here jesus said give them ears to hear and eyes to see whoever comes to me And hears my sayings and does them. I will show you to whom he is like. And in verse 48, he says, he is like a man that built his house. He dig deep. He was a man of prayer like Elisha was, was plowing when Elijah came along and threw his mantle of identity on him. Christ will not throw his identity on anyone who refuses to prayer or pray. I didn't take that English class. So who refuses to pray? Y'all hear me. If you don't have a prayer life, I'm not scolding. I am, when Coach Shelby talks, he's talking to himself. This is how I talk to myself. You'd be amazed if you put a camera and you saw me in the morning all by myself. You'd go like, who is he talking to? Bingo. Of sinners, Paul said, I have been chief. And I will tell you in front of you, I've sinned more than anybody in this room. I believe that. Coach Cook might argue with me, whatever, but he's too young, he might have a case, I don't know. I don't know, but I think we would admit that we fouled up more than anybody in our thinking processes, in our prior- prioritization of the word of God, what's first place in our trust in Jesus Christ. And we do it all the time. So this is not a condemning message. This is a loving message. We love each other enough to speak truth into our lives and say, guys, get it right. Get it right. He is like a man who built a house. He digged deep. He has a prayer life because he's seeking the things of God. He's digging for Christ. you remember how I said a while ago how Jacob wrestled with the Lord? Now, think about he's saying to dig deep why and laid his foundation on a rock. He had to dig. That kind of symbolic of wrestling a little bit, of praying. Think about it a little bit. What happens in the process of that? You've got to be singly focused on the Lord and you begin to die to your own desires. The Bible says in Galatians 2, 20 and 21, I won't go through all of it. But it says that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I but Christ lives in me. God cannot use your desires. Your desire, you know where that word comes from? Lust. He cannot use your lust. It's cursed. Lewdness, unbridled lust. We all struggle with desires and lust and things of this life. And it doesn't always have to be sexual, guys, because that's where our mind goes. But it's anything in this world that fights for that position of authority in your life that Jesus Christ was meant to rule from on your throne. Is he on your heart? Is he on the throne of your heart? And if he is, then you don't have your heart. Because, see, you don't have a good heart. Jeremiah 17 says that, that the heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? The whole purpose of Christ is that he comes in as a carpenter. He built stuff. And when he comes in and he checks into your heart, he rips it out of your chest, stomps it in the ground into fine powder and dust, and he throws the ashes to the wind, and then he transplants his father's heart into you. What does that mean? God's desire becomes your desire. Now, we just changed what lust is. You see, lust is worldly lust is things lust is what does coach shelby want what do you want this lust my best life now lust but my desire is the heart of god so many people say this and it's so perverted and and i'm getting to a point to where man if i hear a man in a pulpit i'm probably gonna get cast out of the if i go visiting where because i'm gonna rebuke him public i'm telling you right now not because i'm any good no but because my god is good and i will not allow him to be misrepresented the desire of your heart is not how much money you make, what job you have, where you play football, where you play baseball, who your girlfriend is, your boyfriend is. That is not the desire of your heart. The desire is God's desire. God's desire is that we come to intimacy with his son. That I'm not willing that any should perish. That's the words of God. But that all should come to what? Repentance. Even Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, repent the kingdom of heaven's at hand. In hand. But they may know my son, Jesus Christ, who I am, the word that became flesh. John 1:14. 1, 1 and verse 14. That's what it is. Intimacy with the Lord. How can I fight demons if I'm not intimate with the Lord? How can I be so arrogant and prideful to think that I can cast the devil out of anything or even recognize a devil who poses as an angel of light if I'm not intimate with Jesus Christ? How can I, how can I do these things? And let me tell you what intimacy means. It means you want him with you all the time everywhere you go as I had the vision and the dream many years ago of the lamb that I told you all about. I locked him up. I came back the next day and I let him out so he could go to the restroom and all those things. I was trying to protect him from the wolf. You know, Satan comes as as a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. He's an imposter. He offers another way which appears to be the right way but it's the wrong way. It's a way that leads to the broad way of destruction and damnation. But Jesus is the narrow way. Too many people are trying to add stuff to Jesus. Oh, I can do this. Or if I pray this many times. Or if I wave my hand like this. Or if I put this shawl around my neck. If I do this, if I do that. You know, all this. No, 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 no. Get on your face and cry out to a thrice holy God and say, Jesus Christ. Forgive me, I beg you. Cleanse me by the blood that you shed on the cross. Forgive me, O God Almighty. You govern and rule my life. I give you myself. I'm dead to my desires, and I want to be alive unto yours. And when his spirit downloads inside of you, the divine nature of God, as it says in the book of Peter, will become your nature, which declares war against the old you, against the old lust, the old desires that are in you. That's what happens. And so it says, that he dig deep. He prayed. He sought the Lord. He laid the foundation on a rock. You see, the rock wasn't just set there and said, "Oh, build your house on the rock," like many famous preachers do today. No, you got to dig for it. Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood didn't come to her. She had to go dig for him. That was uncomfortable. She had been bleeding for a long time. You know what the, the local pastor today would say? Not all of them, of course. But you know what some would say? If they saw Jesus walking today in the flesh as he was then and operating the way he operated, first of all, he wouldn't be welcome to speak in the church. And they'd have sermons about him, about how evil he was and why he wasn't the son of God. I'm telling you. Because see, to exalt Jesus, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto myself, means that you've got to remove yourself. And man's not willing to do that because his desires are evil and wicked. The Bible says that. There's people that that are harder to discern, that are in the pulpit, that are in churches, that self-diagnosed Christians like somebody putting herself under anesthesia. Could you imagine going to the hospital and having a surgery and you get to be the anesthesiologist on yourself? That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And it's called a seductive, seducing, demonic spirit. They're running rampant. They're running everywhere. And in America, they're a sophisticated spirit because they have a form of religiosity. Yeah, that's Coach Shelby's word. I got a dictionary. Get you one if you want one. If you just listen long enough, write some of those down. It's good stuff. Me and the hillbillies understand it. But it's under the name of religion. It flies under a banner. And it uses Jesus, but it's no different than the name Jesus, which is not your savior. Spelt exactly the same. Spoken sometimes in the right context but you can tell more about a false doctrine and a preaching what it leaves out as you can what it puts in. I hope you heard that. Because there's always truth in something that's wrong, always. And there's a lot of truth, but it's the blanks that they leave. It's the power, okay? There used to be this stuff that turned into metal when I was a kid. It was called J.B. Weld, I think y'all still have it. Well, if, if you didn't put, if you didn't mix it correctly, it wouldn't harden and become metal. You see, they're they're, they're missing the key ingredient. They're missing the moving and the operating of the Holy Spirit because their faith is not in the true deity of who Christ really is. Their faith is in their denomination. Their faith is in their pastor. Their faith is in all of these other things, but it is not in Jesus Christ. They didn't dig deep themselves. They went to somebody else and said, you dig and tell me what you found. Oh, that'll preach. You dig and tell me what you found. You must have a prayer life. This is the foundation that is built, that our house is built, your life, upon a rock. And when the flood arose, the streams beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Now, let me go on to the, to the next part of that, and let me just paraphrase that real quick. It goes on to say that here's the man who does not hear. See, that was the man who does hear. That he builds his house upon the rock. He digs deep. He has a prayer life. He's seeking God. He's single-minded in this thing. But the other man builds his house upon the sand because he doesn't have a prayer life. He doesn't have a time to seek God. God's not number one in every decision he makes. He doesn't even think to consult God when major decisions are in his life need to be made or even the simple decisions about what he's supposed to do today. He doesn't do that. So his house is built upon the sand. And what this, this tells you, as Jesus was speaking, that the storm came and beat vehemently on both houses, violently. You might say it was tornadic it came it came hard floods came tsunamis came hurricanes came these are the troubles in our life they're coming if you haven't experienced one it's coming and at some point you will see that either it's coming you're in the middle of it or you just passed through it which meant there's another one on its way all of us know that we just got through a winter storm and now the weather's nice but you know it's not going to stay nice every day you know that how do you know that experience the bible is our experience the bible is our teacher the bible's our word the storm is coming and your house your life is going to be shaken if you have no prayer life if you have not dug deep and if your theology to sound sophisticated here or something and your doctrine is not built upon jesus and him alone you're going to fall Oh, well, why does God hate me? Why does God do this? Man, I'm just mad at God. because You're mad at Him because you never knew Him. Because you created a God that conformed to your lust. Remember I started talking about desires? We create a God that conforms to our lust, our desires, instead of His desires and who He really is. That's the deal. The Bible says to Timothy, which is the Holy Spirit, to the Apostle Paul, to his son and the faith, Timothy, study to show yourself approved. What does that mean simply means read the word and chew on it meditate on it and when you show that commitment towards god he'll begin to speak to you as he did me this morning and said remind him again of the foundations lord we've been talking about it for three years remind him again they hadn't heard it remind him again remind him again if you want to think about it and you want to think that you're the advanced one some of the things you learned in elementary you still use today You see, we never remove ourselves from this foundation. You still use your ABCs. You still use your letters. You still write the same way, the same language. You still use those things. It expands into other areas, but the foundation of that never changes. The ability to, to add and subtract, you use it all the time. So the things that we learn stay on the foundation. We don't leave the foundation to grow in our depth. We never leave that because the power of the Spirit of God will not move if you move off the rock and there'll be people here that'll tell you there'll be preachers that'll tell you that you cannot move off the rock once you moved on in other words once saved always saved that's a lie i don't want to argue about it because i don't want to go to hell and i have no desire to leave so it's really not worth arguing about the only thing we need to focus on is are we in agreement about jesus christ and what he's done for us and who he really is you're not eternally secure the danger in that doctrine you even go to judas and you say well that was before jesus died on the cross Those men knew, those 12 men, handpicked by God, and God does not pick demons to spread his ministry. He was deceived in the midst of it. Of course God knows all things. But he wasn't chosen, okay, because God was calling demons to go preach the gospel. Judas knew who he was. He knew, just like Peter knew who he was. The scripture says that. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, for thou art Peter. And upon this church, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They knew who he was. He asked them before he ever went to the cross. So I want you to understand that. In Mark 3 and 24 through 27, it says, if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If a house be divided against itself, it cannot stand. Remember what we were talking about in Luke 6. We were talking about build your house upon what? The rock. What does the house represent? Your life. Look here in Mark 3 and 24 through 27. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Now he goes into Satan because they were accusing him to cast out demons by the power of the devil. And if Satan rise up against himself, and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. Satan's not divided, guys. The kingdom of darkness is more organized than the, than the modern-day church of America. Way more organized. There's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. There is rank and order. There is a boss who is Satan. There are prince, demons, principalities over certain areas and then it falls down into demon powers that rule and operate no different than if you went to a construction job and you saw a foreman drive up and he overlooking the work making sure and then you got a supervisor there and then you got all the grunt workers that's how the kingdom of darkness operates the bible's clear on that and they learned it from God because God is highly organized in the way he does things because remember lucifer was made by god he saw the creation of god and when he fell he knew that these are good things to you i'm going to use it for evil but god uses it for good you have to understand all that so if satan rises up against himself he is divided and cannot stand but hath an end so satan's not divided here and the reason why that many of us are powerless today is because we are not built on the rock and our house is divided what does that mean born again spirit Connected with Christ, the deity of Christ, on the foundation. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. Completely in line, listening to the spirit of God, not to the spirit of the idiot of the world. Y'all need to hear me on that. I listen to motivational speeches in leadership class, and I use them, I do them sometimes, I have to admit, sometimes just to spot the knots and to tell them, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Sounds good, but it's wrong. Why? Because it puts the focus on man and his ability God can't use a man who has an ability. He doesn't use that. He will not use it. For if righteousness comes by the law, and that law is not just the Ten Commandments, but anything that we create that is not written by God, which is God, then that becomes in vain, the work of the cross. It disrespects, mocks, and makes the work of the cross in vain. For if righteousness comes by the law, then the work of the cross is in vain. That's verse 21 of Galatians chapter 2 that I just started with a while ago. So what what do you have that God wants? One thing, and he already gave it to you. You see, he doesn't ask anything of you that he doesn't give you. Romans 12, 3, that I've given you the measure of faith, he wants one thing from you. Surrender death to yourself, death to your own desires. And when that happens, you become alive. Why? Why? Because now your spirit becomes connected to the spirit of God. And now your direction comes from the throne of God. And it begins to influx and infiltrate your mind, will, and emotions. Your soul and the manifestation is in this dirt suit. From dust thou art to dust you will return. You must live from inside out. But back to where we started. A man who hears my word. He will dig deep. He'll find my son. And he will build his life his house upon the rock. And when the storms of life come, he won't fall. He will be standing. He didn't say if, he said what, when. Jesus promised that you're going to have tribulation and trials in this world. This is the evidence of a true born-again believer. What do those trials look like? Let's bring it down. I know we're running out of time and I could go for two hours. I'm sure Mr. Mathis would give us a, let us do that. Probably would, but We're not going to abuse that authority right now. Y'all laughing. Y'all know something I don't know. (laughs) What does that look like? It looks like when your friends are doing things they ought not be doing, they're talking about what things they ought not be talking about, they're having sex with a boyfriend, girlfriend, they're going to parties and all that, that you stand on the truth of God's Word and you speak in love and say, you know what, we ain't having it that way. I love you and I care about you I will not conform to that I will not be a part of that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and I'm not going to subject the God that I serve that I have built my house upon to the things that you're doing but God offers you the same opportunity will you pray with me will you repent will you turn from that will you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ or are you gonna keep doing what you're doing and see that's easy to discern and we don't even do in that part the hard parts to discern is when someone comes a wolf dripped dressed in sheep's clothing and they start ministering a gospel about your best life now. And we can't see that because he throws a Jesus in there once in a while. Jesus, 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 Jesus. A God that he created that that conforms to the lust of his flesh, but it's not the God of the Word of God. It's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible requires death and repentance. The God of the Bible requires that we dig deep, that we go down and we build our house. The God of the Bible requires that we give him our life eternally forever and every day of every moment and everything we do and I will not speak sinless perfection to you because it's not possible but what I will tell you is that when you make this decision that I've spoken of for Jesus Christ that you will have a conviction in your heart that will torment you when you do the things opposed to what is written if you don't have a conviction and you're not sold out well even if you are sold out I got more conviction now than before because the closer you get to the light, the more our, our deeds are exposed. That's what the Bible says. You see, we like to quote John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should put the faith and believe in him and trust in him, and I'm elaborating a little bit on that. Shall not perish, but have eternal life and all that. I'm do, putting some commentary on it. But we don't read the part down there It says, whereas we go down a couple of verses, it says, But men love darkness, lest the light expose their deeds. Men love darkness. They love fake religion. They love to fabricate a Jesus that'll let them go out and fornicate. They love to fabricate a Jesus that'll let them go out in public and have a couple of beers. They love to fabricate a Jesus to let them listen and laugh at dirty jokes. They love to fabricate a Jesus. And yet, if your preacher was sitting there, you wouldn't even do some of the things you're doing as if your preacher's more important than Jesus, who you say sits on the throne of our heart. This is the Word of God so build your house upon the rock and here's what jesus said at the revelation of peter that he was the son of god and i say unto thee that thou art peter and upon this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it peter was a name the name given to simon by jesus peter means petra piece of the rock does it not say that we're joint heirs of romans 8 with jesus christ does, God not hide Moses in the cleft of the rock, that was symbolic of him sending his son. And the only way that you could stand in the presence of God was to be hidden in Christ. In Colossians 3:3, for my life is hidden in Christ with God. That's what it says. For if my life is not hidden in Christ, then my life will be exposed before God. If my life is exposed before God, I will be condemned, period. God cannot lie, he cannot change his mind. And to believe in a God of mercy and grace, which is a person, not a flash card that you stick out there, you have to believe in the totality of his word, which means he's also just. Just. Preachers need to say that. He's just. And he doesn't let things slide. The only ones that walk into his kingdom are those who are hidden in Christ. And we are not going to be hidden in Christ if we continue to do our own thing. Even if you deem those things to be good, that is the evidence of self-righteousness. You see, I don't drink. I don't go out and dip snuff. I don't hang out with those who do. I don't tell dirty jokes. But if I think that's going to make me right with God, Coach Shelby has become self-righteous, which is a greater sin than the other obvious ones. My faith and trust must be in Jesus Christ, Him alone. That means today is your day of salvation. Today is your day when you leave this meeting that you begin to commune with the Lord and that you begin to speak to God. And you begin to spend time with him. And you know what? It doesn't always have to be audible. Sometimes it's in here. Sometimes I lay there on my bed and I just pray. And I have some good prayer meetings. But if you looked at me, you'd go like, Go, Shelby's asleep. No, he ain't. I'm praying. And sometimes I get up and I stomp and I get my Moses stick and start beating it on the ground and I start walking as the Holy Spirit leads. But if I've said one thing to you today, again, there is no other way but Jesus Christ, John fourteen six. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No preacher can save you. No teacher can save you. No man, every man is in the same need of the same blood and Savior that I have need of, no matter what his title and position in this world is. There is one, my high priest, Jesus Christ, and I have access to him, according to Hebrews, that I can come boldly to the throne of grace because of his blood. And when I come before the Father, Lord, I come before you under the blood of Jesus. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we get ready to go to class, we love you, we thank you, we bless you for who, we, who you are, we praise your magnificent, righteous, holy name, we glorify you, and we send these young men and young ladies forth in the name of Jesus. Lord God, convict them and give them a fire to serve you today. Give them a desire to serve you today. Give them, Lord God, what they need. For, God, we can do nothing outside of you, Lord. We welcome the Holy Spirit, and we ask Jesus to sit on the thrones of our heart. We confess our sin, and we plead the blood of the Lamb. That is our only excuse, Lord God. That is our only words back to you, the blood of your Son. Now, God, take us and do as you will in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And somebody said, praise the Lord. All right, so praise God. I had to pray this morning, and... uh, considering what we should talk about and i, I kind of feel like that these little bible studies are i'm going to tell you i'm kind of raring to go into some deeper stuff but you know i just feel like god's still saying stay with the basics stay with the, the foundation um, as he said you know i told you the three-year message was that you know build your house upon the rock and the rock is jesus christ and if we don't know who jesus is guys everything gets gets done wrong i really think that if jesus is wrong everything is wrong after that And I think that's pretty obvious, but, um, and I think that's where so many false doctrines and false religions and false prophecies and all those come from is they don't understand the deity of Christ. They still try to mingle in what man can do to be right with God, which is, as best I see it, is what the word religion means. I I can't stand it when somebody, somebody told me last night at the track meet. they said, said, well, you're religious. And I said, nope, I'm not. And they said, well, because of their lack of understanding of what Christianity really is, they call it religion. It's not religion. Religion is what man done. It's caused man to completely fall away from Jesus Christ. Relationship is what Christ requires. And it sounds, if you don't understand that, interpret it a little bit, it sounds like relationship sounds like, oh, well, that's kind of a, I got a relationship so I can do what I want. No, no, no. If you're in a committed relationship, it changes your life. You know, there's, there's men in this room that are married and have been married. And a marriage changes your life. Things are different. You can't just go run around with the boys anymore. You can't do the same things you did anymore. There, there, there's some freedom in that within, you know, morality. You've got to understand what I'm saying. But you can't be like you were when you were single. And if you think of that a little bit, being in a relationship, it's like before you were saved, now you're saved. You're in a relationship. And it's not burdensome. Jesus's commandments are not burdensome to me because I want to please my master and I've got a relationship now That was better than anything. I could have ever done in the world. The world had nothing to offer I didn't realize that at that time really I was confused about it. I was in turmoil about it But when I truly met Jesus, I had no problem giving up the world You know the Bible says to be friends of the world is to be the enemy of God And so the title today as I was sitting here this morning in my prayer room and going through this was Am I saved? Am I really saved? Because I really believe this. It really concerns me that I don't know if it's just America. That's where I'm at. But when I see people that are saved in other countries, I see a radical transformation that lines up with what Jesus said would happen in a man's life. And so I'm going to share some of those scriptures with you. And first of all, in John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Of course, he was speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 3 and He said so am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb and come out again? And he said, oh, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things you see being born again is by faith and I think what's amazing about it is God has never asked us to do anything that he has not given us the ability to do and it's only through him. Let me explain. In Romans twelve 3, you've heard me say that the Bible says that God has given to every man, not some men, every man, the measure of faith. That measure of faith is to believe on the deity of his son, of his word that would become flesh in John chapter 1. That's what that faith was for. Now, you're going to have to grow that faith once you put your faith in Christ, but you can be saved on your deathbed a minute before you leave this earth and go into eternity by Repenting from your sin and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And God has given every man that faith. Now, that's a scary thing to do. And ultimately, we don't know whether they really did it or not. But the fact of the matter is, the thief on the cross did that very thing. Jesus said, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Proof. There was nothing done. The man wasn't re- taken down from the cross and baptized in water. He never took communion. He never went to a church service. He never did anything but said, Lord Jesus. You know, obviously, you're a just man. You're a righteous man. I deserve to be here. You don't. See, when he said he deserves to be there, when he realized what he was, that was a type of repentance. See, you don't recognize what you are. God can't forgive you. And then he called on him and said, you can save me. And he said, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. So he was saved. And it's a man trying to make himself feel better to do things that he thinks will get him into the kingdom of God. There are things that take place in our lives as being a Christian, that's true, but those things never make you right with God. Because I'm right with God, I do what his word says, which is called obedience. I don't do some of the things his word says, like show up at church on Sunday, thinking I'm going to get into heaven. I go to church because I'm saved, and because I love to fellowship with the brethren. The Bible says, forsake not yourselves from assembling together. But ultimately, I am the church, and here's the church right here, and church will be in my classroom here in just a minute. See, I am the church where the spirit of God is. That is the church of Jesus Christ. You have to understand that. And so he goes on to say in 2nd Corinthians 517. Remember in John 3, I just said, unless you be born again by faith. That you'll never see the kingdom of God. In 2nd Corinthians 517, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. If any man is in Christ, old things. What are the old things? The old man. Remember he just said to be born again. That means you've been born once. All of us in this room have been born once, but you must be born again. You're literally a different person whenever you truly put your faith in Christ. There is a born again experience. I don't proclaim that you become ignorant of everything you've done wrong, because to do that might imply that you wouldn't know what you need which is a savior in Jesus Christ. I don't want to ever forget my, what I've done wrong, but I want to be ever grateful. And to be born again means I get another chance. I get a second chance. What's that chance? I've been reconciled with God. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. The blessing of Abraham's upon me. I am now a child of, of God Almighty because of the work of his son, Jesus Christ, who is God. When the disciples asked Jesus, said, how we see the father, when we see the father, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You see, people have a hard time with this, and I don't want to get sidetracked on that. And someone asked me that yesterday. They said, is there literally two or three people in heaven? The Bible says, hear, O Israel, God is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one Spirit. There's a manifestation of the Son in his dirt suit, so you will, flesh, that walked among men, but it's the Spirit of God that's in him. He is God. And so quit looking around for all these three people. The Holy Spirit is here on earth, but it's the same spirit that was in Christ. Man is spirit, soul, and body, yet we're looking at one person in this room on each of you. You're a three-part being, but I see one. That's God. God created spirit, soul, and body. He made man in his image. Therefore, we must be born again, okay? Romans 6, 3 through 6 says, Know ye not. That so many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now there's those that teach that you must be baptized in water to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what it says. It says baptized into his death. This is a spiritual baptism. Christ is spirit. Jesus told the woman at the well Samaria, says that, that, God, that, that God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death so when you go down in the water and baptize you really think you physically died so what is this spiritual or is this physical not a hard question how many of you have been baptized are you physically dead no it's a spiritual death it's spiritually the old carnal nature of you is put to rest it is a proclamation if you will of faith then i believe in the death burial and resurrection of christ even in my own life by faith in him and him alone is what it is we are buried with him by baptism into death that is like christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we should also walk in newness of life what did i just say behold old things pass away in second corinthians chapter 5:17 and all things become new for even so we should walk in newness of life for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. So when a person and asks this question, am I truly saved? Have you died? Have you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Have your old sin nature, have your old desires that will rise up against you from time to time. And you could read Romans 6, 7, and 8 and get a better understanding of that. Have you declared war against them yet, better yet, has the Spirit of God moved in your temple and declared war against you, against the sin nature? Has that happened? It says in Revelation 12 11 it says, By the blood of the Lamb and the Word of my testimony, you are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of your testimony. What is this testimony? It's not the testimony of you. We've got a lot of people testifying about them. We've got a lot of outreach programs, and I could list names right now, and you could find them in a heartbeat on Facebook and other places. And they preach Jesus, but when they go into the schools, well, we hadn't come here last year, year before last maybe. They did a little deal down here in our stadium. They stand in the gym and they proclaim something about freedom about choices and all that absent of the power behind it which is the spirit of god then they come to the stadium and then they mention scriptures and they put god in it god's not welcome in our school but he's welcome in our stadium blasphemy i have no part in those ministries i call it out paul called it out the apostle peter called it out he called them out this is the reason why the men of old were beheaded. This is the reason why the men of old went to prison. Because they called out false ministry. Why? Because they were mean and cruel. Or because they loved the people that were being lied to. Hence, there it is. See, we have a responsibility. I don't want to be mean and cruel. And I don't want to imply that I know anything because I do not. Nor do I imply that I am anything because I am not. I'm a dead man. But what I do have to say is when someone's talking to you guys about false doctrine or false gospel, I must correct that. Because if I don't, do I really care about you? Am I really being obedient to Jesus Christ? We must. If I sit in a church congregation and a man gets up and proclaims some other way other than Jesus Christ, I have no choice but to stand up and rebuke him and probably get thrown out. You see these if you go to YouTube. You'll see this on Joel Steen's stuff. You'll see occasionally a man will get in and he'll stand up in the middle of the service and he'll hold his Bible up and begin to rebuke on the stage what's going on. And they'll usually have guards that'll come by and escort him out. Watch it. Go on YouTube and watch this stuff. But don't be amused. Listen to the words. Not everyone who rebukes is is righteous either. Listen to the words. But when a man proclaims your best life now, when a man proclaims that that God is more interested in you than he is in what his son has done for you, You better run. You better run run for your life. You better get out. Because you've opened a door to Satan in your life in the name of Christ, but it's another Christ. It's an anointing from hell. It's not the anointing of God. It's what it is. When When a message proclaims what you can have in this life, instead of death and surrender, you see, dead people are not interested in all the things. So you're saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony that testimony is Jesus. In Acts 1.8, it says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. I'll stop right there. That's Jesus talking. You shall witness unto me. My testimony is Jesus Christ and what he has done through me. It's not about Coach Shelby. Coach Shelby's nothing. He deserves to be in hell. He's just like the thief on the cross that said, Lord, I'm deserving of death. I'm deserving of hell, but I love you. And I put my faith and trust in you. How can a man make those kind of statements unless God gave him that ability? He's not capable. He's born in sin. Therefore, he must be born again. I can't even cry out to God unless the Holy Spirit gives me the power to do exactly what I said. You can't be saved unless God does that. It's impossible. To imply otherwise would mean that we could save ourselves. I can save myself. I can go get water baptized. I can save myself. I can go take communion. I can save myself because I'm a member of the First Baptist Church. I can save myself because I pay my tithes and offerings. Blasphemy, guys. By faith and faith alone are we saved. In Romans 10, 9, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation. So how are you saved? By believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth. I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I'm saved by what God has already engrafted and planted in me. I speak it out of my mouth and invite the Spirit of God in my life to destroy all that opposes God. I must be born again. It goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 1, 16 through 18, it says. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. I have a, anyway, I won't go into that. Besides, I know no, I know not whether I baptized any other. This is Paul talking. To the church of Corinth, born-again people. They were all arguing over baptism, water baptism. And he said, I don't know if I baptized any of you. I baptized some, you know. I, I don't know. For Christ sent me not to baptize. Now that's pretty amazing if baptism saves me. He didn't send me to baptize. So he sent him not to bring people into the kingdom of God. We know that's not true. We read the scripture. He says, but to preach the gospel, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Where's the power of God? Where's it found? In the cross. Isn't that what he just said? What happened at the cross? God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever should do what, believe on Him, or go do this, this, and this—all the sacraments and all those things—which is to believe, or for us to go do something, and God say, "Oh, I'm really pleased with you, Prindle. I, I tell you what, you're good with me." See, man can be pleased by those things we do, but God can't be. By how? By faith. Am I saved? Have I truly put my faith in Christ? And as I put my faith in Christ, then Christ himself will lead me to do my public profession, to be baptized in water. He will lead me to do this as often as we want to bring remembrance of what he's done for us on the cross, which is our communion. But most people have this backwards. They think they're righteous because they do those things, but they have no faith in Christ, and the evidence is all over their life. Matthew 7. Not saved. Not saved. Matter of fact, Paul told the church of Corinth, and I don't have time to read it, he says many of you bring judgment on yourselves because when they would come together and do the Lord's Supper, they came together to eat. They didn't come together to remember what Christ had done for them. If your faith is not in Christ and what he did at the cross, that's it, exclusively, Christ alone, nothing else. I'm going to caution you if somebody cares about you, do not take communion. Paul said many sleep because they take the Lord's Supper unworthily. That's what he was talking about. They sleep. He was talking about dead. They wasn't taking naps. Many of them brought sickness into their bodies because they disrespected communion because they didn't know Christ and the sacrifice of the cross, and they took communion thinking that was going to make them right with God. I know brothers and sisters that have coached with me at other places that would go take communion every Saturday night and thought they were right with God, cussing like a sailor on Sunday running around on their wives, drinking as much alcohol as they can drink, but they said, i got to go to confession and I've got to go take communion on Saturday night so that I can go to heaven in case I die. I said, brother, you're going straight to hell. Christ didn't come into your life and allow you to keep doing those things. And if you're doing those things, you are absolutely miserable because the conviction of God is all over you. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. I wish I could talk about that a little bit, but obviously we... I can't I just we don't have time in this meeting but evidence of salvation Galatians 5:16 and 17 since I alluded to that says this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh whose spirit whose spirit are we being led by is the spirit of the world the antichrist spirit is it your spirit or is it the spirit of Christ that's leading you for the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Did you see that? You can't participate in the world because you can't do the things that you would because the spirit of God in you has declared war against your spirit and when you do those things and you go out and have you have these drinks and you go out fornicating and you go out telling dirty jokes and even when you sit down in the cafeteria the classroom and you feel this burn in you that you need to talk about Jesus you're, you're tormented once you get born again, until you surrender to Christ. And if that torment, and if that's not the right word, that's the only word I have at this moment, then you've got to go back and ask yourself, am I saved? Because if you are, then what God says being saved is not the same thing you're saying God being saved means. It goes on to say this. So the spirit and the flesh war against each other. Galatians 2, 20 and 21, you know this one. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So you're dead, but his desire is working through you. I believe it's in Second uh, Peter chapter 1. It says that the divine nature has come in you. When you put your faith in Christ and what he did at the cross, that means his sacrifice for your sin, and you accept that, and you repent and turn from your sin and begin to follow him, the divine nature comes in you which declares war, according to Galatians that I just spoke. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by faith, I live by faith. I don't know how so many people miss this. I live by faith in the Son of God. I'm better able to walk sinless by faith in Christ than I ever could by doing my own religious activities. Because my own religious activities imply that I'm operating by the law. And if I live by the law, I will, I will be judged by the law is what the Bible says. Let me read on to explain. Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The Son of God is the power in my life to change my life. The son of God, the spirit of Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not frustrate the grace of God. Y'all know what grace is unmerited favor. Don't frustrate this. Grace comes to those who believe he's a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Listen to this closely for if righteousness, the is the Greek word for that to be right with God. To walk in right standing with God. If righteousness comes by law. Then Christ is dead in vain. In other words let me say it this way. What Christ did at the cross is of no effect to you. Has no power in your life. And without the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We are headed straight to hell. You cannot be saved except through the work of the cross that Christ alone could do. I must lay at the cross of Christ until he gives me the power to stand up denying myself, pick up my cross, which means denying my place in this world, so to speak, and following him. How? By his word, by prayer, by putting his will above my will, denying myself, picking up my cross. If righteousness comes by the law, Let me explain this to you because a lot of people don't. Their mind automatically goes to Ten Commandments. Law is anything that you create, even your religion, anything that's not by faith in Christ and Christ alone. Anything. Even righteous things. That's a whole mouthful and there's a whole lot of teaching there. Even righteous things without faith in Christ is a law unto you and you'll be judged. Because if you really want to get down to it, does anybody in this room think that every thought that you have is perfect? Nope. Everybody in this room think that you do exactly what God's told you to do every day. Do you go into all the world every day and tell everybody about Jesus? Nope. So though you do it some, you're still disobedient because you're only taking part of the test. You still fail. If I'm judged by the law, I will be found guilty 100%. But through Christ and following Christ alone by faith in him and what he did at the cross, through this grace, this mercy that he's given me this desire to follow him he will lead me into the paths of the righteous but if i'm not spending time with him if i don't have that relationship with him if i have a religion with him i'll know about him but if i have a relationship with him i will know him now he becomes one romans 8 says "Know you not that you're joint heirs with jesus christ he's the chief cornerstone He's what brings it all together. Is he welcome at your lunch table? Is he welcome in your home? Are you bold enough to go home and say, Mom and Dad, can we drop down by the coffee table tonight and have a prayer before bed? Are you bold enough, even if you get smacked for it? Is he that important to you? So alone, even things that the Bible says we are to do, without faith in Christ exclusively in the cross become a law unto us which we will be judged by and condemned by whether it be baptisms whether it be sacraments whether it be religion whatever it be will become a snare, will become a hindrance will become a judgment unto you because no man your your righteousness the Bible says is as filthy rags God can only recognize his son in you Period. Well, if we haven't totally surrendered to him by acknowledging what we are, we can't have what I just said. By faith and faith alone, let me read this to you real quick. And I don't know how much time I got. Let me see. 741. In Revelation 3 and 14 through 22, let me finish by reading this because I believe that, whether it's true or not, but I believe this. That we are the Laodicean church of the book of Revelation. And in verse 13, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. This is God speaking. I know your works. I know your works, America. I know your works. Popular preacher on TV, I know your works. That you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were one or the other. So that when you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you, I will vomit you, I will spit you out of my mouth. You see, God's, you see what I'm saying? We, 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 as a nation, we're playing church. We we sit in church and we daydream. We go to church, but with the church, you are the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am. If I never walked in a proper church in America again, I'm still right with God because I have faith in what his work on the cross was. And I put my faith in him. I don't have to go to a building. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to go to one. But I'm saying, if your trust is there, you're lost. Period. That man, in that pulpit needs the same blood you need, and without it, he'll burn. I don't care what title man has given him. I don't care. I will spew you out of my mouth because sometimes you're you're, you're doing what I ask you to do. Sometimes you're not. You're half in, half out. One foot in, one foot out. You're lukewarm. And I like my coffee hot, God says. <laughs> I don't want nothing lukewarm. In verse 17, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's what God's saying to the church today. Know you not. You say you got things, you got beautiful buildings, you got money, nice suits, nice cars, all of this stuff. You're wretched, you're blind, you're deaf. You can't see me. You've created another God. And you call him Jesus. I counsel you, for I am the spirit of counsel, the Holy Ghost. I am the teacher. That you buy me of me gold, tried in fire that you may be rich and have white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with salve, that thou mayest see and as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent so those that God loves he does what he rebukes and he chastens has God rebuked you lately that just simply means he corrects you the holy spirit is not blind and mute he speaks loud and clear has he spoken to you am i saved a person that says they don't hear from god i got to go with the word it's not my right to judge anybody i ultimately do not know that's god's power but it is my job to proclaim the truth of god's word as he said it not as my opinion says it and in his word he says as many as i love i rebuke and I chasten. Chasten means to scourge, whip, correct, as a father does a son. Do you hear from God? Is there a burn in you? Is there a knife in your chest, in your heart, when you're doing the things that God says don't do, when you entertain those things? Just the absence of his name coming out of your mouth, does that bother you? If it does not, you better go with the word. Word says if he ain't chastening in you, you're not his. That's hard. But i thank god for hardness because you to tell you what's hard in the end when he says what depart from me i never knew you that's hard none of us want to hear that verse 20 behold i stand at the door and i knock if any man hear my voice and open the door i will come into him i will sup with him and i will be with him he's knocking he's knocking right now this is his word i'm reading to him that overcomes will i grant to sit with me in my throne Where am I going to be sitting? In the throne of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm seated far above all principality power, rulers of darkness, spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Because Christ is far above those things and he just said that if I have overcome, how to overcome by faith in him and what he's done, then he's going to let me sit with him in his throne. That's pretty cool, isn't it, Natalie? Now, if you're sitting in his throne, it might change the way you sit in class today. (laughs) It might change what you talk about in the hallway if you're seated with Christ. I mean, there's some things you wouldn't talk about in front of your mama. But this Christ we claim to have, we have no problem with it. Mm, Am I saved? Am I saved? Coach Shelby, you always got these hard lessons. Yes, because I expect to see every face right here when Jesus is sitting here teaching and we're all gathered around him one day. I got to have that. God told me years ago when I was walking by a slim trophy room at a school that didn't win too much that I was dumb enough to think I could change. I went in and looked at the two or three trophies I had from the ancient of days. And he said, no matter how many rings and trophies you have, when it's all said and done, if the kids that I've made you responsible over are not with you in my kingdom, you failed me. Your job as a coach will be determined by the kind of young men and young ladies that they become the men and women of God, when they leave these schools, that will be your evaluation as a coach, not what the school gives you. Your evaluation comes from me, the Lord. That's powerful. And you know, I say that, you go, oh, Coach Shelby, you're really special. You heard from God. Let me help you. He just said that to you. That was a thought from the Holy Spirit, yet not a thought, a directive, a command, a truth from the Holy Spirit. To him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I've overcome? And him set down with my Father in his throne. And he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Guys, God is speaking loud and clear to the church today. I believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I believe that you are the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe that his congregation is assembled right here in this high school today. I believe that you got to get that down inside of you, get rid of this religion that says church is on Sunday morning in some building made by the hands of man. You are the church, and the church of God is mobile. If you read the book of Acts, they went. They went from house to house. They met in the synagogue. They went everywhere they went. They talked about Jesus. And the reason why signs, wonders, and miracles took place, because they didn't keep him in a box on Sunday or Wednesday night. But I'm sorry, all due respect, people ain't going to like it. Well, they didn't like the apostles either. They killed them. Well, uh, Natalie, you can't do that here. I'm sorry, all due respect, ma'am. All due respect, Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) I won't dance when the music plays. Now, you might kick me out, you might put me in ISS, you might do this, you might do that, and I hope you don't do that. And I respect your position and your authority as my teacher or my principal or my mom or my dad or whatever it is, but I can serve no other God but Jesus. And if you're asking me to deny Jesus, I can't, no deal, I can't do that. Do what you need to do. If, you need, if, if I've got detention, do what you need to do. I'll read my Bible in detention. <laughs> do what you got to do. Because Jesus gave his life for me. He paid a sin debt he did not owe. And now I give him my life. Which means... There may be consequences on earth, but the benefit is eternal life with him. So, Father, thank you. We bless you as this bell rings. Let this bell send us into all the world to preach your gospel today. Let the truth of your word dig deep down in our spiritual garden. Let the roots of the wicked one be uprooted. Let the weeds be removed. Let us stop hedging and trimming, and let us go to the root with the ax with the word of God. Lord God, that we may be saved that the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, be poured out in our hearts, that we may put our faith exclusively in your work, Jesus, at the cross of Calvary. Father, we love you and we need you and we bless you. Send us forth today in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe that by any stretch whatsoever, you said amen. Praise God.